Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast with Kevin Harrington and Seth Green. Kevin Harrington is the inventor of the infomercial, one of the original sharks from the hit TV show Shark Tank, and has generated over $5 billion in TV and digital direct response sales. Seth Green is the world's first trusted authority on cutting-edge direct response marketing, a best-selling author, and the only three-time Marketer of the Year nominee. On the podcast, Kevin and Seth interview sharkpreneurs who share straight talk on what it takes to explode your business. Why do so many businesses struggle while others seem to explode overnight? Do you wish you had the secret to this type of exponential growth? Now, I've scaled more than 20 businesses to over $100 million, and it's not just luck. In my new book with Mark Tim, Mentor to Millions, you'll learn the repeatable framework I use in all my business ventures for massive success. Order at KevinMentor.com and get over $1,000 in bonuses. Head to KevinMentor.com. Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast. This is your co-host, Seth Green. Today, I have the good fortune to be joined by Elizabeth Hill. Elizabeth is the host of the Legit Endeavors Podcast. She owns her own law firm. She owns a winery, bistro, and vineyard, and a whole bunch of other stuff we're going to dive into. Elizabeth, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Seth. I'm thrilled to be here. All right, so let's go back in time. What I think the law firm is where it started. What inspired you to become a lawyer? Well, you know, I had been interested in the law for a long time, but it was not my first chosen career. I did become a counselor for several years, and that was a very rewarding time. I was also a caseworker, and I worked with um, children in foster care, but I had always been interested in the law, and I found myself kind of at a crossroads in my life with um, three young children and as a single mom. And I decided, you know, I think I'm going to give this law thing a shot. And luckily, uh, I, I was stuck here in my hometown, which I enjoy at Lubbock, Texas, and uh, applied to Texas Tech and got in and, and went from there. And it was the best decision ever. I, I truly believe I was meant to be a lawyer. <laughs> well, not the normal path to law school, that's for sure. But you graduated summa cum laude at the top of your law school class and won two national championships in moot court. What do you like best about being an attorney? Well, I do love advocating for my clients. Uh, my experiences in moot court, which is basically a mock appellate argument, those experiences were incredible and really equipped me to get in court and to be able to argue for my clients and on behalf of my clients. And I just, I really enjoy that. It's something that it, I find really rewarding and fun, if that sounds right at all. <laughs> it does, absolutely. I love that you're having fun doing it. What are some of the biggest mistakes small business owners make when it comes to protecting themselves? Well, of course, making sure that they are protected from liability. I see a lot of really small business owners think that, hey, I'm just going to open a very small business and I'll just be a sole proprietor and I just won't, you know, I won't get very big. And then, of course, I see them a few years down the road when they have grown and that's exciting, but they've never created an entity to separate their personal assets from their business assets. And then that means that you are exposed both personally and in your business if something were to happen. And, you know, sometimes 
disputes have merit and sometimes they don't. And all anyone needs to file a lawsuit is some paper and about $300. So that's, that's the big one for me. Uh, the others can be things like if you are in a, a partnership or some type of LLC or corporation with more than yourself um, and maybe a friend or a business associate, not defining the roles and making sure you know how to make decisions can be a major problem. Also, if you do decide to split up down the road, you need to make sure that those decisions of how you will do that are ironed out from the beginning or it can become a really yucky mess. It's almost like needing a prenup before you get married. Exactly. And, and, you know, that's exactly what we do when we create either bylaws or a company agreement. It spells out all the what ifs and allows you to know how to navigate through that time if you get to that point. Okay. Tell us about how a business attorney got into the winery, vineyard and bistro business. Well, so I kind of married into it. My husband was growing wine grapes uh, when I met him and when we got married, but we ventured in to the winery and bistro business together a few, few years back. And it has been a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed it. I love marketing and I love developing relationships with people. So that's been a lot of fun. And a lot of people don't know this, but our area of Texas, which is called the High Plains, is one of the best places in the country to grow wine grapes. And so it's been a lot of fun sharing that with not only Texans, but others that come to visit. And we just opened, we we opened our new tasting room in in the worst possible time in history, but <laughs> we opened in March of 2020 oh and literally had to close back down a couple of weeks later, but um, we stayed afloat. We did delivery um, for some time and then we've been open again since May with some limited capacity and we're having a great time. It's a lot of fun and uh, you know, it, it does help to be a lawyer in a heavily regulated industry like the wine industry. So that's been interesting as well. Absolutely. Tell us about what inspired you to launch the Legit Endeavors podcast. Well, I am a podcast junkie. I've loved podcasts for years. I enjoy listening to them. And it's just something with my background in oral argument, and I just love chatting with people. It just came very naturally, and I really enjoyed um, doing podcasting and talking to people like you. It's just a lot of fun. I, I'm biased. I'll agree with you. So you now have multi, you are a serial entrepreneur. You own the law firm, you own multiple businesses, you have a podcast and you're a mother of four. How do you balance it all? Well, some days better than others. <laughs> <laughs> I won't pretend that I somehow always get everything done. I, a lot of times have to prioritize the most important things. And sometimes the most important thing on that day may be making it to my daughter's volleyball game. And so, you know, I have to give myself grace on some days if I can't get every single thing that I wanted to do done. But in my business and with Legit Endeavors and our bistro, we do the same thing. We try to prioritize, make sure that we are carrying out the actions that create the biggest impact on our business in a good way. And, uh, you know, just do the best we can on a daily basis and give ourselves grace when we don't quite make it. <laughs> Absolutely. I think that is great advice. How does being a prior counselor inform your law practice at all? Well, I, 
I think it's really helpful. Usually when I'm working with people, uh, most of the time it's a stressful situation. And so I think that did equip me to be able to just show some empathy and, and be able to chat with them about the stressful situation and to make a plan on what we would do next. Occasionally I do get to work with a few people in setting up a business um, and setting up wineries, which I really enjoy. And so that's fun. But for the most part, I think it helps with my communication skills with my clients and just really trying to uh, be receptive in what is oftentimes a very stressful situation. So you bring up an excellent point. So as business owners, entrepreneurs, we encounter adversity all the time. What are some of the things you've been able to bounce back from and what did you learn in the process? Well, I, you know, like all of us, I suppose I've had many setbacks, some major, some minor. And I think I just try really hard to remember that no matter how down and out you feel or what kind of low place you're feeling, you can bounce back. And really, in so many occasions, you bounce back better than you were before. And so if you can uh, stick with it and know that sometimes you just need to keep trying and sometimes you may need to try something different. So just learn from it and move on. And goodness, that's definitely been the case this year. This is the year of resiliency and trying new things and adjusting um, pretty much every day. Absolutely. You mentioned your passion for marketing. How did you market the law practice in an industry when it's kind of oversaturated and hard to stand out? You know, I think so much of marketing is industry specific and my law practice marketing is completely different than our bistro marketing. I have found that developing relationships with other attorneys has been my best means of marketing my law office. I do a lot of appellate work and that's a bit unusual. There's only two board certified attorneys in my town in Lubbock and I'm one of them. So a lot of my referrals come from other attorneys. So I've found that, you know, each industry is a little bit different and you have to really cater your marketing to that industry. And so that's what I found with the law practice and just developing good relationships with people one-on-one I found is better for the law practice than necessarily social media marketing, which is what we do the most for the bistro and winery. Absolutely. How have you gotten people to Um, get excited about the winery and the bistro, come check it out, learn that the fact that you have some of the best place to grow grapes. How have you communicated those messages? Well, we do try to communicate that we are, um, of course, a family-owned business and that there are real people behind um, the business. And a lot of people really love that. Uh, A story about growing grapes on the family vineyard, which is actually, in our case, this is really cool, has been in the family for 100 years on my husband's side. Uh, That's just such a neat story. So we try really hard to share our story. Again, in a different way, we connect on a personal level with our customers and we really try to create an experience. So it's not just about selling good wine or serving good food, but actually creating an experience. And we want to be a destination here in Lubbock, Texas. We're in this beautiful old historic building that is just gorgeous to see in itself. And so that's been our focus. Um, Our tagline is cultivate life's moments. So we want people to celebrate special occasions um, and even just happy hour after work on a Friday. Have you been able to translate that experiential feel and marketing 
to the law firm at all? Have you, how do you create an experience for your clients there? Sure. Well, you know, it's it's such a different experience, but I do try to make sure that we are communicating well, that I have reached out to them in a way that they feel pretty comfortable and secure because so oftentimes it's stressful. I do work with a lot of businesses, but of course, all businesses are run by people. And so they oftentimes are stressed about the situation. It usually involves money of some kind. And so I try really hard just to communicate well, make sure I keep them up to date and that their experience throughout the process is good regardless of the outcome, because sometimes we just can't control what the outcome will be. Absolutely. What is it? So you talked about how the law firm is a a lot of appellate work. What does that mean for the lay people, including myself listening? Sure. Yeah. So, um, and I didn't even know. It's so funny. When I went to a law school, I had no idea what moot court meant because most people don't. So, so that, you know, that's learning how to do an appellate argument. So once a case is final, usually it has to be final. Um, There are a few exceptions, but at the trial court, and sometimes that means it's gone through trial. Sometimes that means the judge has decided the case before it goes to trial there becomes an opportunity for either side to appeal the outcome. And we've all heard, especially recently, the Supreme Court of the United States is the highest court in the land. There are different levels of appellate courts and there are both state appellate courts and federal appellate courts. And so I practice in both. It depends on where your case is, whether it's in state or federal, and you can appeal it to the next level. And so that's when I would come in if I'm not already on the case and start looking at what appellate issues we might have to pursue on appeal. And I've been on both sides and I've seen, uh, you know, huge verdicts get overturned on appeal. And I've seen uh, the appellate court uphold huge verdicts. So it's never final until it's done. And so you can really take it up to the top level. I did have one case get appealed to the United States Supreme Court. We we fortunately were on the case beside that was not appealing it and we defended against that and they did not take it. They only take a, a handful of cases every year compared to what's uh, pursued there, but that was an interesting experience. I bet. So if I'm understanding correctly, you're taking on cases that have already been decided and you're somebody else is appealing and you're defending and saying, no, the judge or the jury was right the first time, or you're the one doing the appeal saying, hey, they were wrong. We want another crack at this. Is that correct? That's absolutely correct. Yes. So if you're brought in on a case that you didn't try the first time, you then have to go through and figure out, are there any grounds for this? Is there anything anybody missed? So how does that work? How do you like playing detective almost? How do you decide what cases to handle? Well, of course, hindsight's twenty twenty, and and I I know oftentimes when I'm reading a trial transcript, I think, well, I wish that our side would have done something differently there, but you know, it's tough in the moment. And so I do have to look for what we consider points of error, where we contend that there's been some kind of error at the trial court. And there's lots of different ways that it could be error. One of the most common is when a trial court is interpreting the law. And so that's something that a jury would never do. A jury determines what the facts are. And um, a, a trial court will determine what the law should be as 
applied on this particular case. And so that, for example, is something that I handle often. And so really it's just arguing our interpretation of what the law should be in this particular case and how the court should have applied it. And so it, it entails a whole lot of written briefing, but also I do have to be prepared for oral argument. Not every appellate case goes to oral argument. It's up to the court oftentimes, but a lot of them do. And so that's been really interesting. And I, I have found that sometimes when I walk into oral argument, the court may be tilting against me. And I have found that I feel like I can convince them a little bit more if I have that chance at oral argument. Who is your ideal, who is your type of ideal client? Well, I love small business owners. I um, have great empathy for them because I am one as well. And so I handle a lot of small business issues. Uh, one of my specialties is contract disputes and obviously pretty much every small business or, or big business would entail some type of contract and agreement. And so that's really who I work with well. I also love other wineries and I enjoy being able to set up permits for other wineries. And really the Texas wine industry is still very friendly. I've heard that, you know, some other states have gotten a little more cutthroat. So I have fun doing that and staying connected with other winery owners. Awesome. What do you, what else do you want to share that I didn't think to ask you? Oh, goodness. Well, you know, this year it's been so interesting to run a small business. And I found that the biggest thing for us is just to stay positive and to really enlist and make sure that we are connecting with other community businesses. I think that in both personal life and in your business, it's important to have friends. And so I always think, even mentioning other winery owners, I always remind myself that it's community over competition. And so anything we can do, especially even if someone's listening to this later, you know, 2020 is such a challenging year, anything we can do to connect with each other and put community over competition right now is the way to go. Awesome. I love it. This has been Seth Green for Sharkpreneur here with Elizabeth Hill. Elizabeth, where is the best place for our folks to learn more about you, your podcast, your law firm, and the winery? You can find out pretty much everything at legitendeavors.com. Go check me out there. You can follow me on Instagram at Elizabeth underscore G underscore Hill. And um, I'd love to hear from you. Awesome. Thanks, everybody, for watching or listening. We'll talk to you next time. Do you need money to fund your idea, product, or service? Are you ready to take your business to the next level but need capital to get it done? Kevin Harrington has heard more than 50,000 pitches and knows how to help you make the perfect pitch to get the funding for your entrepreneurial dream. He's distilled the process down in his perfect pitch cheat sheet and it's yours for free. Just text PITCH to him right now at 727-888-2100. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 right now and claim your free perfect pitch cheat sheet. Text pitch to 727-888-2100 to start funding your dream today. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.